Hello, Internet. It's Tori. You're listening to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. For updates on when episodes go live, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. To join the discussion, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash CosmereCast, where you'll find an invitation to our Discord server. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me this week are Craig. Hello, everyone. Dave. What's up? And Tori. Hello, Internet. And we start every week with good things. So, Craig, good. Good a thing. Do a thing. So, good. Craig, Craig, do your thing. Mike. Make a thing that's good. Craig. I will good. do my thing, Mike. Um, so, I'm going to go a little bit outside my, my expertise here. Uh, I've been watching a lot of TV recently for various reasons. And there's a show I'd like to give a little bit of a shout out to. Uh, it's called Ted Lasso. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard because I think it's like only on Apple TV or something, and I don't know how many people actually have that. But Ted Lasso, uh, the poet lariat. No, so it's about a um, an American football coach Whoosh. who, who I'm goes sorry, over Dave. to he no sold your pun. He goes over to the UK uh, to teach the European real football. Um, as a coach, and he has no expertise or anything, and yet it makes for a very compelling show. Um, it's it's mostly comedy, but it's it's heartwarming. It's has very good characters and it has interesting um, storylines and character arcs. Uh, it's it's surprisingly good, and I've been watching it. Uh, it's like they pump out a new episode every week or something, um, like regular TV shows do, which is weird. But yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, I actually i I didn't think I would like it because I don't like either footballs. Um, and yet I'm getting I've I've gotten into the show. Like I don't know why, it just happened. So I actually highly recommend it if you guys have any way of watching it. There you go. It All stars right. Jason. Uh, I'm gonna pronounce it wrong. Jason Sudeikis. He's, he's like he's in a bunch of stuff. He's the mother guy and the guy from the I Love You guy. He's that guy that was in those things. You know who he is. He's in Horrible Bosses, Horrible Bosses 2. How I Met Your Mother. We're the Millers. He's the the fake father. I love yeah, you. He's done all these comedy man. movies. So, yeah. For the romance one. Uh, I think Dave is thinking of Jason Siegel. I'm thinking of Jason Siegel. Jason Siegel. <laughs> yes, he is. I know I'm not thinking of Jason Bateman. Nope, that's uh, a different guy. That was Teen Wolf 2. No, but Jason Bateman was in Horrible Bosses. He was, as was Charlie Day. Yeah, who's... Man. There's a third person who was in that movie. I know who Charlie Day is. I'm... Okay. <laughs> right, uh... so so take the three people who were in that movie, subtract Jason Bateman, subtract Charlie Day. Who's left? <laughs> Why don't we move on to Dave's good thing? Yeah, I broke Dave. Dave, do good... Do, do Dave good good do Jason Siegel. do do good Dave Dave good. Uh, my good thing this week is a game. So like, have you guys ever played any social deduction games like Mafia or Among Us, Werewolf, something like that? All right, so yeah, imagine playing a game like that, but then adding in like WarioWare mini games. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, Dave, do you have Among Us? I do. Do do we have a group to play with? Because I want to play. Uh, my good thing is our new Among Us group <laughs> that we're forming right now. 
because I I didn't know. And I'm like, it's only fun if I actually know people to play with. So I haven't gotten the game yet. But if I know people, I'm totally going to pick that up. And it's free on or it's free on mobile and five dollars on Steam. So get it. Yeah, I play um, some people that I know on Twitch play. But I'll hit you up next time. Uh, next time I join in a game. Uh, Oofier in Craig's chat is has said that he has it also. He just bought it, so I think he's volunteering to also join. Yeah, let's do this. Let's All right, uh, psh, we're gonna cut this episode short, you guys. But Dave anyway, <laughs> Dave is soft, guys. Oh, Crampy Knight also uh, wants in. Dude, we get a get a Cosmere Among Us group going. Let's go. We could do that. Um, but anyways, so it sounds like everybody who listens to this show already knows what it is. So I'm just. No, why don't you tell us about people who are not familiar with it? So you're like these little alien jelly beans. You're like either running a spaceship or a skyship or like a lava ship. And (laughs) you you have a couple traders who are going around killing the crew members. So if you're a traitor, the object is to kill enough crew members that you outnumber them or have them kill each other uh, because... Every time there's a corpse or every time somebody somebody wants to call a meeting, you can vote off uh, somebody like Mafia. So, yeah, it's like it's a typical social deduction game, but it's uh, I like it because when you die three seconds into the game, you still have something to do. Because even when you're a ghost, you can go finish your mini games because the crew wins either by uh, voting off all of the traders or by finishing all of their tasks, their mini games. And mm-hmm. I just think it's funny. Cause I very rarely have worked any office jobs, but I know this is somebody's literal nightmare where <laughs> they go into work every day, they punch their card and then like somebody kills them and their ghost still has to continue punching the card, taking out the garbage, going to meetings. Like, Somebody's actual dream is I got killed at work, but I still have to go to all these dumb meetings, which is exactly what you have to do in Among Us. But yeah, even when you're a ghost, you get to finish up your mini games and help your team win the game. That is a nice feature to give people something to do after they're killed off. So I just posted a tweet uh, that is the official skeletal structure of the Among Us people. Well, the Fall Guys people, but they're basically the same thing. That's just a theory. All guys in Among <laughs> like Us the is the eyes, same game. You know it. <laughs> the eyes are so goofy. Yeah, right. this is actually posted by Fall Guys. What? That doesn't mean they drew it. No, no, they're. Oh no! It says you asked for it. This is the official lore. This is official lore now. All right. So my good thing this week is a game that I started playing again pretty recently. That I think was a good thing previously. Uh, it is Gemcraft Frostborn Wrath, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, which is the latest Gemcraft game. If you've played one of them, you've got the concept. You put gems into towers, and they shoot monsters that try to get to your orb. And if too many too many monsters get to your orb, you die. And you're a wizard, Harry. But this is the you're latest a wizard. One. It's fun. Oh. I enjoy it. So you're a wizard, Harry, but Hagrid is a hairy wizard. I have played some Gemcraft back in the day, and I know you recommended it before. Um, they're a pretty good tower defense game, I think. Uh, yeah, I would I would agree with that statement. Definitely one, that one of I the think top I have ones. made before. Um, if you're just wanting to sort of try it out, 
Chasing Shadows, which is officially the second game, except that it was like the fourth one that they released. Uh, that one is... There's a free version available um, on various Flash game sites. I use Congregate. Uh, if you want to just try it out, do that. Otherwise, you can pay for it on Steam. Um, Frostborn Wrath, to the best of my knowledge, is exclusively a you-have-to-buy-it game. Uh, but it's good. It's, it is fun. So, Tori, what your do-good game good do thing? My good thing... I was going to try and be clever there, but I think Mike about covered all of the permutations. Um, so in an episode that recently came out, uh, I had mentioned that my good thing was RB Digital because I was trying to tell you guys about digital library services that you might like to try uh, at your own libraries. Um, ironically, just this in the past two weeks or so, RB Digital was bought out by Overdrive. So RB Digital is no, no longer a thing. Um, but that's the problem when you have the, the big gap between recording and releasing the episodes, I guess. But um, so I guess my good thing this week is going to be Overdrive, which is a digital library service that your library might have where you can download ebooks and digital audiobooks to your computers and smart devices. And um, it's just a great way to get library books without having to go to the library, you know, in these uncertain times with it being a plague year and maybe your library is not open like uh, my library is still at the time of recording, not open to the public. But you can use our digital services and you can still order books and get them like curbside service. So anyway, digital library services are always a good thing. And this week, Overdrive is a good thing. I have in the past made extensive use of digital library services for uh, audiobook purposes via, I believe the app I used was Hoopla, um, which connects, yes. to your, connects to your library card uh, and gives you access to their, to their digital content without ever having to actually go to the library or interact with people or see people or talk to people or breathe the same air as other people. And it's great. Hoopla is actually one of my favorites because those items are always available all the time, so there's no waiting. Uh, I actually did have wait lists for quite a few things. Oh, well, recently. maybe that's something that your library has to subscribe to. Yeah, my library um, uses Hoopla for ebooks and graphic novels, which is fun. Uh, and we used to use their audiobook services, but I don't know if there was some change in the subscription or what. The audiobooks are still there but we can't use them in my library. We got to get our audiobooks from a different service now. I think it just varies library to library and what what they've subscribed to, what their model is because yeah. And the the cool thing about these digital library services is that there are many libraries around the country that you can get a free library card if you live in their, you know, covered area. But there are other libraries that if you pay a small fee, which can be done online, you can get a library card to that library and via these apps have access to all of their digital content. Yes. And just FYI, the New York Public Library is one of those libraries. Sorry about my barking dog there. That's fine. He's good. He or she is good boy or girl. I don't know which dog it was. It's my girl. There are intruders. Must be protected. As I was trying to say, hopefully this time without the barking dog. 
the New York Public Library is one of those that you can pay for a library card, even if you don't live in their service area. So yeah, if you if you live in the middle of nowhere and your local library system has not great selection for their digital stuff, um, then yes, I would recommend looking into that. I don't know what the fees are. They're going to change, you know, location to location, but you for sure have access in some way to awesome library services, and you should totally take advantage of those. Uh, so shall we move on to the 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 end of days? Yes. There's so many of them. So Dave, you read some days this week, right? Hello, Internet. No, we're, we're past that part now. I thought he was going to say hello and welcome to and, and do my thing. Homestar. <laughs> <laughs> Something.com. No, wait, that's trademark. Stop. To Labor Day is Labor Day. Uh, yeah, let's read chapter day 70 and Ooh, onward. We're going to read it on the stream. Uh, that would actually 70. be really helpful for me because I forgot to read last night. No. I forgot how to read. All right. We're reading The Emperor's Soul, Future Mike, day 70 through the rest. All right. Day 70. Scarring the soul? Gautona still hasn't forgiven Shai for burning Shuxin's masterpiece. Almost there. Only Gautona had never tried to bribe her. Why does Gautona Shrivan hate fish? That's it. That's I don't I don't remember what got. happens. Some something about a painting. But Shai's almost done. And she asks the fish question after she stamps him, so presumably it's Ashravan that hates fish. Yes, correct. Or does he? Uh, we don't get a response. Maybe it was a trick question. I mean, she's trying out new stamps. Who knows? Could be. So why don't you tell us in real wor words what happened? That's all I... Uh, and that's the end. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. It's just more stuff. Did you read wow, it so Dave long is fully ago that, committed to this book, guys. Did you read it so long ago that the knowledge is lost to time? Not as long ago as you. But, I mean, the the main point is that is the relationship growing between Shy and Galtona. And how Shy is, like, trusting him and realizes that all of the other Ardents had tried to have her build in a secret backdoor or something. But Galtona just wants his Emperor friend back. So day the one after 70, whichever day that is. 76. Day 76ers. I'm just guessing. Yeah, that's what I got. Uh, Blood Dude has a girlfriend. Jindo. Empathy stamp. Gautona has been studying Shai's stamp. Uh, and then I just punched in a bunch of questions that I had at this point in reading. What if the stamps were switcherooed? What if Gautona is Fravis Forger? Or what if Gautona is Ashravan? Or what if Ashravan is K and they just wanted to learn how to forge in secret? None of, none of that stuff happened. Uh, five stamps. Warrior, survivalist, scholar, beggar, farmer cook. Uncle Juan and Aunt Saul are made up. Unpluginating plug. Shai was hired to destroy Shuxin's painting. Art belongs to everyone who sees it. Shai has finally found enough phthalo blue, alizarin crimson, and titanium white to finish her job. But she <laughs> needs she needs to escape, right? Please All tell right. me that you went on a Bob Ross deep dive to get the names of those paints. 
Uh, they, <laughs> it pretty sounds like. They actually just were at the front of my brain. I didn't even have to dig that deep. That's I even did better. Have to look, I did have to look up the spelling of Thalo. <laughs> but... Uh, and Alizarin. Actually, Alizarin came up on my autocomplete sprint, uh, but Phalo, I had to look up. And apparently there are Wikipedia articles on these different pigments and things. Except for ti- titanium white, I couldn't quite find. not really sure where I went wrong looking up white. Uh, Did you bad. spell it H-W-I-T-E? <laughs> yeah. I hope so. I don't know what scarring this toll is. Oh, that's that was last day. All right. Blood Dude has a girlfriend. Uh, you know who he reminds me of? <laughs> um, remember like that lizard cleric from Order of the Stick? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, okay. And there's the official casting right there. Figure out his name and look that guy up. Uh, I actually recently bought Dungeon Crawling Fools and was going to like slowly start reading the physical versions of the comics um but i need to find my paperbacks because they're the prequel ones because i want to read them chronologically yeah i bought the ones that are well the ones at the time that were available that were the the non-printed online ones right the are they available online now Uh, i don't think so i just don't know if he Uh, made more things that weren't available online since then yeah so i've got the first Three such ones: uh, Start of Darkness, The Origin of PCs, and Dungeon, and the the green one, Snip Snails and Dragon Tales. I almost bought like extra copies of Snip Snails and Dragon Tales, but I didn't. Anyways, because it was a limited run. But yeah, I think I. Anyways, all right, we're going on. So anyway, the lizard, the lizard and crimson guys got the girlfriend, and he's writing home too. Uh, and we hear about Jindo, which is the town that Shudin is from. Just uh, the whole town. Not It's yep. not a country, it's a town. It's the town. And Shai is not actually Jindoese, but people mix them up. And they do have a common lineage, but they are completely different uh, cultures and everything. So they're kind of like Vulcans and Romulans. Hmm. Yeah, there you go. Got like the Romulans, which are more passionate and artful and then the vulcans which are more logical and they have common ancestry empathy stamps so like you could make a stamp of somebody else so that you could know what it was like to be somebody else and maybe there would be more understanding in the world and gautona thinks that this this would be a a net positive for forgery if they did something like that um, but Gail Tona has actually been studying the stamps a little bit and understands more than he seemed to initially. But so quick just... comment about empathy stamps. Um, and I think Shai addresses it. It's difficult to do because you need, you know, the way stamps are made, you need to know so much about a history. But also it works on Gaetona because he was close to the emperor. Like he, he knows what the emperor should be like. Therefore, the stamps can apply for a minute. If if there's someone you don't agree with, you're not going to be willing to like sit a minute in their shoes. So, well, it wouldn't even take for that long, probably. Exactly right. That's the that's the issue. So it might be workable. You'd have to you'd have to deal. You'd have to write something into the history of the person who's being stamped 
rather than writing a version of someone else so you can empathize with them. Yeah, or you'd have to incrementally show somebody how like how somebody else feels. I th- I think if you study a person enough that you can make an empathy stamp that takes for a minute. Uh, it's it's a change of the person who's being stamped, like something in their history that makes them look a different way. Some some choice that was made that would be different. Maybe that would work, but I don't know, you have to pay someone a lot of money to do that because that's a lot of work still. It's it's like what psychologists could do, I guess, in, in this world. Uh, we also get to a look at uh, Shai's soul stamps, the little cigar box with stuff. And we've got a one makes her like changes her past that she, she was raised to be a warrior. One was like a survivalist hunter. One is a scholar, which is uh you know not that far off from what she is as we know her whether that's her true form or not i don't know uh one that makes her a beggar so that she can hide away and learn about the undergrounds and then one she's also got a retirement stamp where if she wants to you know completely end the forging game permanently she's got this one that just makes her a farmer and cook and it has built into it uh a like paranoia about having to restamp herself every day so that she would never go back to being a simple forger unless you know somebody hid it from her and then she just whatever there would be ways around it it's not as not as permanent as the book wants to make wants to paint it i don't think but it's permanent from her perspective though like this it's the choice she's making to make it be a permanent change if we ever had a story that continues and like she had retired and then they needed her to come back then they would just have to like steal her stamp so that she can't restamp herself and then she would go back to normal so ethically speaking you know that's probably bad also, can you guys just tell I was watching Good Things or Good The Good Place? Good Things. Good Place is a good thing. But I think ethically speaking, that's like she's making the choice to not be a forger anymore. And you're like, I'm just going to do your Sam. So take that. When meanwhile, she's thinking that will kill her. It's just horrible. Like it's her choice. If she decides to make the choice to use that stamp, it, it she should be respected for that choice. They're just going to have to find a different forger. Yeah, but communism. You don't that get to choose apply. what you be when you grow up. That's not that is so wrong on so many levels. Um, I don't think it's as bad as like something like uh, forcing somebody to be a world champion figure skater. No, I when mean they that's be not what farmer, communism actually is. That's all. I mean, part of previously existing communist regimes did do that, but it's yes. not. It's not the actual philosophy of communism like it's not textbook definition of communism it's just how it played out in the past in the soviet union but um right it's not strictly in the definition of communism but i i think that like it would seem cruel to farmer shy but uh you know you could i mean it would be kind of like taking somebody off of a drug like they i think that i need this drug like and she wants to live as a farmer which is fine and you know let her go back to do that because it's not really harmful like a like a drug but like give her like let her 
give her lucidity so that she can see if she still wants to continue on that path or, you know, change her mind and go back to being a forger. I I don't think that is that is that terrible. But if you're taking the stamp away and forcing her not to reuse it, then that would be bad. Like you're basically giving her the opportunity to reinforce her choice or change her mind. See, I think the issue is that you think there's a base shy Shay, whatever her name is. You um, had it right the first time. I know it just sounded weird. There's a base shy, like that's a base identity of who she is. And when she stamps, she's different, sort of written on top of the base shy. When in reality, what the stamp is actually doing is changing who the base shy is. So according to that base shy, she is not a forger. She doesn't want to be a forger. She just wants to be a simple farmer. So you are you are forcing her identity to be changed is what you're doing by taking away her stamp. Except it it, it doesn't represent a lack of agency because non-stamped shy would have had to have made this choice. I'm not saying it's that bad. I'm just saying it's a little ethically questionable. Except it isn't. Oh, yes, it is. It really, she's doing it to herself. She is fully sure, informed. And someone else is taking away that choice. Someone else is saying, I'm going to remove that stamp now so you can go back to being who you were, even though that's not her, that that wasn't her choice. Okay, Craig, may I, may I attempt to restate your argument for you in sure. a way that I think will illuminate my point? Okay. The way you're phrasing this is like blaming last night you on getting drunk for taking away the the agency of mourning you not having a hangover. It's all still you. Craig is saying if a third party were to come in and take away her stamp to force Shy to revert back to unstamped Shy. Correct. I think I think Mike's talking about a different situation. I think Mike's not understanding Craig's issue. That's entirely possible. <laughs> uh Craig's saying like if Gaotona were to come and hide Shy's stamp to revert her choice to become a farmer. That would be... Oh, I thought Craig was making the argument that Shy using the stamp in the first place was an ethical violation of new Shy. No, no, no. I'm talking about if a third party is involved, which is what I thought Dave was talking about. A third party? That is what I was talking about. Okay. It's at least a second party. Yeah. (laughs) I I think that giving Shy the option to change her mind is not a bad thing. She can always restamp herself and go back to farmer shy. Right. That's why I mean it's not like it's not bad. It's not like evil bad, but it's just it's questionable. It's like this is a gray area that might not necessarily be a good thing for someone to do, but it can also be perverted. The uh, I think the ethical ickiness is, it lies mostly in preventing her from restamping herself like you'd either have to tie her up or drug her or something so she doesn't freak out like that part would be not good like i i wish i actually knew about ethics outside of the good place um but i feel like it's something about respecting someone's choice that was made and and you know having a third party steal the soul stamp she needs to remain that farmer identity is basically not respecting her choice so maybe like that's that's what i'm saying like if there's people who actually understand and read this sort of thing, maybe they'd be able to to see what I'm saying. Maybe I'm just making it up. I don't I don't really know. It just, you know, it's what my gut is telling me. Okay. I mean, in in the, your hypothetical situation, Gautona is 
taking away Shy's stamp for long enough for her to revert to her original personality and then offering it back in order for her to make an informed choice with new information. Is is Am I getting that? Yeah, that's what would happen. And I said, it's just slightly questionable. It's not evil. It's just maybe this is wrong. Maybe it's okay. Yeah, I think we're ethically we're veering into not quite the most ethical thing you could do, but yeah. still not actually bad. Just because and, it is it is an extremely temporary situation and you're offering, you know, a more informed decision with new information. I would also add that, like, giving somebody the, like, just complete agency to do everything that they want is, you can't really back that up. Like, I mean, I don't want to, um, and forgive, forgive me, but I, I don't, I'm not trying to take this lightly, but say somebody were mentally unstable and wanted to cause harm to themselves like very seriously like you wouldn't allow that person to cause harm to themselves um so like you can't say she wants to do this therefore this is okay to let her do to herself like and this is a far cry from anything serious in the real world like that but i'm just saying that you can't make that general statement I think I, I want I want us to get slightly back on track before we get too far afield here and think about like how interesting it is that one of her identity stamps is this whole removing forging from her identity. Like this is this is supposed to be from her perspective, again, a permanent change, like how interesting it is that one of these changes is that it's this whole this is a way out, like just the fact that it exists. She might, she probably will never use it, but it exists and she makes it. Is that something all Master Forgers make or is that something that is unique to her? I think it's something that all Master Forgers who have thought things through and worked out worst case scenarios should have available. Yeah, I would, I could see this as being a common thing. I mean, maybe not every Master Soul Stamper, but ones that, uh, yeah, I'll just back up Mike, yeah. Having emergency plans is generally a good idea. It's Which not. It's more than Uncle an emergency Ron told plan. Us. This is this is the this is this, the this is the buying a bunker in Nevada and stocking it with ten years uh, <laughs> worth of food emergency plan. Sure. Equivalent. <laughs> the other ones are are various go bags that she keeps by the door in case of an emergency. This one is the oh no the bombs have gone off gotta go. Yep. That that which, is her, which I would say, if if you have the resources to do so, it's not a terrible thing to do. It's it's maybe not the most likely, but you know it could happen. Therefore, planning for it is reasonable. I, I will point out that this stamp, this the changes that were required to make this stamp, she had to dig very deep in her life because she has been training for pretty much her whole life. Like that change had to become so early for her to not be a forger. And she has to know herself. Yes, but I feel like you're about to dig into spoiler time stuff, Craig. I am? It's about the book. We're talking about the book. Right, but I think you're about to dig into, like, the mechanics behind it, which, I don't know, maybe we can talk to Dave about some of it. Okay, we'll wait. But let's, let's finish the plot of the book first. Uh, so those are the five stamps in the cigar box. And so also we have Uncle Juan and Aunt Saul are apparently not real. Did I read that right? Yes. All right. It's 
it's kind of a, a known secret in the business. No one actually has an Uncle Juan. <laughs> in the business of forging or the business of writing? Of forging. Just no one okay. has an Uncle Juan. It's 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 just sort of a, a, a catch-all for I want to make up good advice for myself that sounds old-timey. You pull in good old Uncle Juan. So... Did she have soul, soul hey. stamps that had her remember Uncle Juan, and then she used them for so long that they entered into her permanent memory? Hey, no, this is this is just a uh, a, a, a a bit of a helpful fiction that she tells herself to. But this to is get like a there. this is just kind of like a Confucius say pineapple does not go on pizza kind of thing. Hey, Dave, you well, read Skyward? Is wrong. I pineapple. <laughs> wow. Pineapple, well, I disagree with Confucius on this point. Unless there's tomato sauce on the pizza. If there's tomato sauce on the pizza, keep the pineapple off. But if it's a white pie or some kind of white sauce, pineapple's okay. No, guys, I still disagree. Guys, we we need to be careful. We don't want to be boycotted by like half the internet. And Mike also, you're leading up. me to Red Fox's whole string of Confucius say jokes that none of which are appropriate. So for, Dave for this podcast, but they're great. Fox Look it up on your something own. Inappropriate? I don't, I don't believe you, Fred Fox. No way, Dave. Have you read he, Skyward? He, never, he was completely PC. I have read Skyward, just the first one. So spoilers for anyone who is planning on reading Skyward who have not done so. There's one girl in there who quotes religious sayings. It's like that. It's like Tevya from Fiddler. <laughs> It's like the good book says sweep the floor or something like that. And really just his saying. I haven't I haven't seen Fiddler in like ten years. Fiddler's surprisingly good. The good book good. says sweep the leg, Johnny, put him in a body bag. <laughs> but it's Uncle Juan. It is. Okay. So there's no Uncle Juan. Alrighty. So there's unpluginating plug? What the heck does that mean? Pretty sure I wrote that less than twenty four hours ago. Yeah, uh, um, you compared the uh, central stamp holding the other stamps together to the Inquisitor plug, so maybe yeah. that's where you were going? Must have something to do with that. Uh, then we get the big reveal that Shai was actually hired by Xu Shen to destroy the painting. And yes, it's not pronounced Shuxin. That's just more fun to say than Xu Shen. But Xu Shen, I'm assuming it's not pronounced Shuxin. I could be Craig. Don't know. Do not. <laughs> I want no part of this. I would probably say Shushen, though. Yeah, I, I think that's what Shushen. the audiobook said. <laughs> I actually so, know how to pronounce Asian-type names and, and stuff, so... Just not Italian. Even... Yeah, sure. Yes. And <laughs> French. French. Yeah. So Shushen is, like, doesn't like Frava, and he's like, I, w- I want you to go in there, and I want you to destroy my painting, because Frava, Frava bet on my face after a Mets game. <laughs> uh, because it was made for a, a loved one, not for these goobers. Right. And then uh, Galtona makes the point that art does not belong to the original creator. You know, philosophically, once it enters into the public, then art belongs to everybody who sees it and takes part in it. You hear that, Brandon? These are our books now. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm going to start reading them on my stream without permission from the publisher. Just kidding. Uh, yeah. So I guess, I guess there's some truth to that. Like, especially because, I mean, Shushan doesn't legally own the physical copy of his painting either. Like, certainly not. Um, but I mean, I guess as far as removing art from existence, it's just kind of like a reverence for art. So, you know, we don't we don't want to remove like artwork. We don't want to eradicate a piece of art completely. Um, that's what that's what Gaotone is saying, and I guess like I kind of I kind of drive with that, but I, I didn't dig too deeply into that. But as far as the f actual physical representation, that physical painting, I mean, Frava owns that and has the right to do with it what she wants. I would say, which obviously she didn't want it destroyed. So, oops. Like, too bad, because we don't like her. But she got a reproduction that was almost as good as the original. Better, possibly. That she doesn't win, know win. is a reproduction, so who loses? Uh, Shy, because she went to jail. Exactly. Alright, so Shy has finished testing stamps on Gautona, and all she has to do is combine them all into a single Emperor's Soul stamp, so... She may, she says it's kind of like having, she's like, I've got all my paints ready and I've got, now I just got to paint it. And so in a way, Gaotona is kind of like her palette so that she can get all of the colors and mixins that she needs for fixins. And now she can start the final product. She knows what colors to use. Gaotona is a layer on Photoshop that gets deleted before the final <laughs> wow, harsh! You can do Don't all of to bring your, it into modern times. Mike. All of your sketching and test and and tester stuff on that layer before you you transfer the the stuff that works onto the good layer. Or like if you draw a pencil sketch and scan it in to trace over with your drawing pad. And that's the end of chapter day seventy six. So let's move on. Let's let's actually try to get through the book a little bit faster. We're we're taking all a right. While. Day We're on We're finished in three hours. We have 15 days left. Oh, God. Day 85. Shy can't burn pewter, so she can't move her papers to the desk. So she starts <laughs> working on them on the bed. Wow, I hope this that. running gag never goes away. It's so good. <laughs> Ashravan's waifu. Escape plan. Phase one. Escape the room. Phase two. Escape the hallway. Phase three. Optional. Profit. Phase four, escape the palace, and phase five, escape the city. I just thought that that was hilarious. I mean, it does actually say that she has more details written for each phase, but just when we get to hear the plan, it's just like, get out of this area, then get out of this area. Uh, and that's it for 85, rather short. And so, you know, Shy, she, she didn't make the desk big enough, so she has to start working on her working with papers spread out on her bed. But in my head canon, the papers are just too heavy for her to move to the desk. Uh, she also learns that Ashravan had a crush on uh, like a storybook, like a girl from a storybook who had red hair. And that's why Ashravan's uh, real life wife, the Crushinator, has red hair. I did not write down his wife's real name, but when I read it, it looked like Crushinator. I don't think it matters. She died during the assassination attempt. A lady that fine. You got a romance first. So, yeah, 
Ashravan had a waifu from a storybook when he was a kid. And then we get the escape plan. And she's going to try to retrieve her soul stamps as she's escaping, if possible. And that's the end of day 85. That's the plan. Day, I don't know which one comes next. 97? We jump wow, straight from 85 to progress. 97? I think we do. Wow, that is a unless, leap. Unless I missed the chapter. 97. Lowercase f forgery. Poor blood dude. Almost. Shy will finish tonight. Alright, so... Shy makes up a letter from... That's supposed to be from a lizard cleric. Did we get a name for the blood sealer? I don't think we do. So she makes up a letter that's supposedly from the blood sealer uh, writing home saying that he's picked up DNA samples of all the guards and stuff. And she's like, oh, oops, look what he dropped. And then the guards pick it up and they're like, what's he trying to do to us? And Shai's like, oh, it's probably nothing. He's probably just boasting. So she's trying to get the guards to basically beat up the blood sealer in the tavern tonight and she's like i'll escape i'll finish this stamp tonight and escape tomorrow i know he cuts me every day and locks me in this room and has threatened me repeatedly but you know what i think he i think he's a pretty good guy and we should give him the benefit of the doubt she says she almost feels bad for him she's she was really writing that line of not outright murder just a little bit of a rough up but, like, if outright murder happened, she wouldn't feel too bad about it, I don't think. She would feel bad for blood at... Oh, moving on. So she must finish the stamp tonight and escape on the morrow, which is day 98. Shy can't burn pewter, so she can't move her papers to the bed. <laughs> no! <laughs> if You're only she had joke. a helpful Condra friend to point this out and, and give her some pewter from the flesh pocket. I almost made the noise. I would have muted the noise. Gonna mute it. But I didn't even make the noise. I just said... Gonna mute it hey, again. Hey, listeners, if you would like to hear what the sound is, then you can join our Cosmere Discord and you can listen live while we record. How fun is that? Uh, But you should uh, specify that only patrons can listen to live recordings or you can watch live recordings on... Craig's stream, and you do not need to be a patron to watch the Twitch stream. Man, if this doesn't sell our Discord, I don't know what will. Day 98. Dot done. Ancestors worshipped souls of broken gods, eh? Zoo is here. Phase 1 complete. Phase 2 complete. Chekhov's chamber pot. Ashravan awakes. <laughs> Time to get up on out of here. Shy never saw that James Bond movie where Q said, never let them see you bleed, or else they'll use the blood to send skeletals after you. Look it up. It's from The World Is Not Enough, one of the Pierce Brosnan <laughs> films. It's probably one of those, yeah. There was one good Pierce Brosnan Bond film, and the best part of it was the video game. Southern Ambassador in Red Priest's armor, eh? Terrible backup plan. It worked! She got the thingy. <laughs> Phase 3 complete. <laughs> Shy, switch, Shy switches jobs to warrior. Stuff happens. More stuff happens. Horse. Copy pasta. Uh, so, so Shy... So what you're a... saying there is that Shy just grabbed a different character sheet and started using that one instead? No, she 
equipped the fire crystal job, which was warrior. Or no, wait, that was the wind crystal. Oh, this is more Final Fantasy V, not D&D. Got it. Yeah, See, I would have gone Fantasy. Final Fantasy One and Black Belt. But you um, can't change jobs in Final Fantasy when. I was going to say Monk, but she does end up using a dagger at one point in this scene. It's not all unarmed combat. And it's not two separate jobs because she only has one stamp for this task. Well, then we should probably go to D&D because while they can't use daggers well, there's nothing that says a monk can't use a dagger. <laughs> or play basketball. <laughs> <laughs> the air blood roll. Uh, is there... Sir... Certain classes can't use weapons, like druids can't use weapons made out of metal or else they lose their magic. Depends um, on the edition, but a lot of that went out the window in the later editions. You're just, you yeah. lose bonuses if you're using something you're not good with. Uh, well, I mean, there's nothing that says a fighter can't take unarmed combat or use, or use a spiked gauntlet to, well, she doesn't have a spiked gauntlet. All right, well, why yeah. don't we move on? Uh, uh, so Chai escapes, but on her way out, she needs to test her soul stamp to see if it works on the Emperor, and it's looking pretty good, and then, oh yeah, she uses the chamber pot to, like, she uses the guise of a servant going to change the chamber pot, and that's how she gets into the room. I wonder if that was her plan all along, or if she was like, this, this will give me a way into the Emperor's room later, I don't know. I it, it wonder if that was pot. a Chekhov's gun that was set up, and now we're getting the resolution to it here later. That's not a common it's... writing technique at all, so <laughs> probably not. I feel like it's not—it's not as obvious as having a shotgun hanging on the wall, but like it's kind of like a like a Chekhov's floorboard. Like you just—it's the floor. You just expect it to be there. It's kind of nonchalant. But then later on, they used the floorboard with a nail in it to fend the aliens off in the last act. Yep, that's how those work when they're done well. And when they're done badly, it's, we're setting this thing up in this scene, and in the next thing, in the exact next scene, it pays off. And then we're going to do that again and again and again, Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. All right, so the stamps work. Time to get out of here. Oh, yeah, I should mention that she, like, knocked Zoo. Down the floor, knocked him out when he came in. Um, but during her little scuffle with the zoo, he managed to slightly nick her in the side, and Blood Sealer is able to use that blood to send the hounds after her or the skeletons. I don't think they're houndy, I think they're more humanoid. I got the sense that they were human skeletons that had some minor modifications. I was thinking of the ones from that old movie version of Jason and the Argonauts. Ray Harryhausen. I love Ray Harryhausen. Love him. If if you don't have that scene in your brain right now, uh, later on, go to YouTube, look it up. It is, it's phenomenal. Like, you will be shocked at how good it is and how old it is. I'm gonna go find it and stick it in our good things. You guys keep talking. Alright, I'll keep talking. So... Now Shy is like, oh, poop, what do I do? It's time for my last-ditch backup plan, which is to go back to the Emperor's room because she thinks that's where Garotone is going to go, and that he'll have the cigar box on him, and that he'll give the marks to Shy. And all of that works out. 
She got the thingies. Phase three is complete. She uses the warrior stamp and fights her way out and steals uh, Zeus' warhorse. <laughs> and then we get a final scene where uh, the people are like, uh, oh, Emperor's back. Everything's normal. Nothing weird happened. So real quick, before we end this chapter, I really found the last discussion between Shy and Gaetona to be very touching. It was nice. It was nice. Oh, is that? Oh, yeah, because Shy is like, uh, well, like Gaetona is like, uh, you manipulated me. And she's like, yeah. Or or he's like, she's like, I manipulated you by being genuine with you. And Gaetona is like, that's not manipulation. That's just relationshiping. That's just having a connection with somebody. So Shy sees it as like a like a form of duping somebody to be honest with them and genuine, <laughs> which uh you know shows follows from like her background and her way of thinking about life and relationships and such. But Gaotone is just like this kindly old gentry, and she also says that she's going to modify her retirement stamp to remember her old grandfather that saved her life. Yeah, I like that. And then she steals a horse. That's the end of chapter 98, just like Link. All right, day 101, epilogue. Frava thinks there are back doors. Nyen Cat, Beggar Girl, Rio Rune. Huh. So we get a little Frava here, and the name of her forger is actually Nyen, and she's like, find those back doors, Nyen, and... She, well, Shai had destroyed her official notes, uh, but given her real notes to Gaotona, who reads reads them, and re- I guess she also kind of personalized it for Gaotona, and then Gaotona burns the real notes as well. I mean, it's essentially his real biography at that point that she wrote. With how in-depth it was, it was probably more... There was more in that than any other biography that was posted for the Emperor. But it's also, of course, how the stamps work. And she was able to test how accurate she was, which is something that generally you can't do. All right. uh, So, Dave, we're we're done, right? You finished? Yep. Okay. Do you have any questions for us? Um, Yeah. And it has more to do with the afterword, where... Brandon uh, gives a little backstory on where he came up with the idea for this novella. And is that the right? Is considered a novella? Yes. Yeah, seems this too is a novella. short to be a novella. Is that somewhere between a short story and a novel? Yes. Okay. The, the actual distinctions are a little fuzzy as far as I know. But yeah, there's the order goes short story, novella, novel, Stormlight. So, I think by definition, a short story is something intended to be read in one sitting. That's what I learned in high school, and that's all I remember from 10th grade English class. English class. Uh, well, dang it. That means that The Rhythmatist is a short story, because I totally read it in one go. All right. Uh, so he gives a little backstory on where he got the idea for this, and he... As he was coming up with the idea, he's like, oh, this is this this will fit in with the system I want to write for Cell. Like, so Elantris had already been written, so but he didn't have 
the Selish system fleshed out yet. However, he had ideas for the Selish system enough to the point where he knew that this would fit in with it. So it leads me to believe he had in, intention to write more for Cell, but I don't think that we actually have any more writings for Cell other than like the Ars Arcanum or other than Arcanum Unbounded itself. Correct. So currently, uh, there are plans for another full novel set on Cell. Uh, currently, okay. currently prospectively titled Elantris 2, but almost certainly that one's not going to stick and it probably won't even necessarily have anything to do with the city of Elantris at all. Okay, um, yeah, that was my main... That was like a meta question about Brandon and his writing and intentions. Well, from what I've seen based on his talks and seeing him in person, that sort of thing, the way he comes up with ideas is he either he'll think of like a cool magic system or something that sounds neat, some kind of world-building aspect that he wants to play with, or he'll have a really good story tug that he wants to develop. For example, with Mistborn, it was the story tug. It was, what happened if the bad guy wins? That's essentially how it started, and it developed from well, there. What if Sam took the ring and became the new Dark Lord from... Yeah, Lord something like that, right. Um, so sometimes he'll do that. Other times, like I said, it'll be like a neat magic system that he wants to develop more. And in this case, he's probably looking at how this worked and realized that it fit in really well with Cell and, and the magic system of Elantris. So... He developed it and added it to that world. I guess because the magic system on Elantris uh, centers around patterns and runes and such, like even right. even the dancing that Shudin does and the bone carvings and things are representative of magic shapes, uh, shapes and symbols, thing. and it's all regional geography. Yep. So it just fit in really well. So why not? And it is better, especially when it in dealing with the Cosmere, to try to, you know, focus things. Like if something fits in the same world, develop it there rather than just add a whole new world. Like it's it's easier for your readers and there's a lot more world building, I think, that can come from that rather than just creating a whole new world. I still think that when Raiden blew up the library, it, they should have had it so that they had to put the dot for the creator that he made. <laughs> in there it's too small yeah it, it didn't affect things on on a macro scale so it didn't matter the chasm line and library hole have to be added into all the room man chasms have been with us since the first book haven't they like imagine having to redo every every um aeon door in elantris every time anyone does any sort of like minor uh, rebuilding, restructuring, like you change, you change, you paint your house in Elantris and oh no, everything stopped working and we're all zombies now. Gotta fix it. <laughs> uh, I don't know if Elantris itself is even close enough to, you know, the center of the land for it to be, I don't know. Well, you just made the argument that the library blowing up. But that was a really be. big explosion. Uh, I will remind you there is an Aeon, well... Elantris is built in the shape of an Aeon, but I don't think it's... The fact that the city was built in the shape of an Aeon is actually the issue. Right. Or one of the exactly. major issues of why everything went terrible when the chasm showed up. Oh, by the way, guys, this is spoilers for Elantris that we're talking about. We're, in we're this... reading it. Oh, I guess... Um, I know, I'm I, kidding. Speaking of, I, I, 
I think this is a prequel to Elantris because I'm pretty sure we saw Hraithen. He's not the uh, only one who yeah, wears we, we red didn't armor necessarily see Hraithen. We saw a yeah. priest. I could, yeah, I, w- I mean, it's he's got the same getup that Hraithen had. I guess I was just curious if there was any kind of word on, uh, you know, whether that was Hraithen or not. Or even just a time frame for when does this story take place relative to Elantris. To the best of my knowledge, everything we've read so far has been in chronological order. That's going to go out the window once we go back to uh, Stormlight. Um, because... Wait, that's... are you talking about what we've read? Because yeah, we've we've done no, not not what we what day what the book order release up to oh. the point of Words of Radiance. Everything is in, to the best of my knowledge, chronological order. Um, but Except with for the with metal, the three hundred year jump between you know Mistborn eras and the not anywhere near that much amount of time passing between Way of Kings and Words of Radiance is when okay. we start getting into timeline issues. So what you're saying is books that take place on the same world, as far as we know, are in some sort of chronological order, are in chronological order from what we've read. As far as I know, yes. Because Dave is asking, when does this take place in time of the story? In which case, as far as we know, it's either, like Mike said, it's chronologically later than what happened in Elantris, or it's roughly the same time. Yeah, oh, it's, and it's probably not um, set before, but... Ultimately, it doesn't matter because they don't interact all that much. Uh, so, so I've got I've got something for Dave. Well, well, hold on. Just to answer his question, Talonel in our spoiler discussion has pointed out someone has asked them, and the answer is that the Emperor's Soul takes place shortly after the events of Elantra. Well, there we go. Thank you, right. Talonel Elin Stone Sinew. Uh, appreciate you looking that up. Uh, so, Dave. I have two words that you learned about without necessarily learning about in this book that I would like to tell you those words and sort of have you keep an eye out for things about them in the future because you will learn more. Uh, Those two words are connection and identity. With capital letters. With capital letters. They are are integral to a lot of what we're going to get into. Uh, would you like to take a guess at what either or both of those means in a Cosmere sense? Connection is where something exists in the spiritual realm, and identity is where something exists in the cognitive realm. No, we'll have to see if Dave's right as we continue to read. So, yeah, just keep an eye out for those moving forward, um, because they will show up, and they are important, and you should know that. You would have seen it in the Ars Arcanum of... uh in Furukami, because there is metals that store, like it says it there, right? Right, guys? Uh, yeah. not. Okay. I think so. I don't have an Aris Econom on me. I just know that it's mentioned in Furukami. All right. Uh, before we get rid of Dave, a um, little programming note. So our next episode is going to be on uh, Shadows for Silence in the Forest of Hell, um, which is one of my favorite of the, of the short fictions. Uh, we're just doing one episode on that. We're also going to be doing castless for the for all three of these short fictions that we've just done, uh, as well as rankings for the entire Cosmere up to this point. That's and, a lot. And yeah, there's a lot going on. So I did want to ask Great Dave, what did, you, what did you think of the book? It's fun. I liked it. Cool. Uh, Emperor Soul is frequently listed as one of the better potential entry points. It won an award of some kind. 
a major award. Fragile. It, uh, I'm the trying to Italian. look up. A Hugo Award. Oh, I won a Hugo. Best novella. All right. Uh, does anyone else have anything for Dave? Or shall we kick him off? We get to kick him off. Oh, you got the kicking it off, Dave. See you later. Bye, everybody. Bye, Dave. Bye, Bye Dr. Nick. <laughs> All right. Dave's gone. Play the thing. This concludes the spoiler-free section of our podcast. If you are, as I am, reading along for the first time, we recommend that you stop listening now, as the following will contain spoilers for not only this book, but for other Cosmere books as well. There may also be general spoilers from any other source material. Spoilers begin now. And let's go into spoiler time. Cool. Uh, Do we have anything to really talk about for Emperor's Soul? Because I, I again, I didn't read the ending. I completely blanked on it last night. Um, I don't think there's much else we need to talk about that we didn't touch upon last episode. Oh, oh, we we didn't go into Hoyt stuff. Talonella is pointing it out. And really, there's not much. Uh, Dave sort of figured it out last yeah, week anyway. Dave that called the, it last week. The Imperial Fool is Hoyt. I mean, it's 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 pretty obvious Hoyt set this up. So that way this whole thing would happen. So there you go. Another point for Hoyt. Uh, so what's up with the Moon Scepter and why did Hoyd need it? He, he doesn't. I don't think he does. I think Hoyd, probably using fortune in some way, knew that Shy needed to be captured and that this had to happen. Right place, right time. That's all it is. I don't think the Moon Scepter is important at all. And then he probably threw it out once he reached the next town slash world. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe the Moon Scepter will pop up again. We'll have to see. It's going to be like the flute that he gave to Kaladin. I'm not saying it is the flute. It's going to be like the flute in that he had this moon scepter and he he just he gave it to another character. And the other character's like, what am I supposed to do with this? And then later they lose it. Yeah. Sigzel had it confiscated one of those many times he ended up in jail. Later, we're going to get the novella where... uh, Hoyt arranges to have some legendary flute stolen and man if that thing dates all the way back to like dragon steel then Kaladin once he finds out is gonna feel real bad <laughs> could you imagine if that were the case though oh my gosh that flute is is almost as important as this as stick 10,000 years old two owners from new lost if found please contact Kaladin guys what if flute is stick and because, you know, Shalon doesn't know what a flute is. Like, no, the flute used a soul stamp to change its identity so that it was <laughs> a stick. It went into retirement and and would like to forget its fluteness. Yeah. And that's why she can't turn it into fire, because it's just stick. It's very determined to be a stick. All right. Why don't we talk about Rhythm of War? Yes, let's. Uh, so what do we have? Chapter 12? Chapter 12. Chapter 12. All right. Uh, Tori, why don't um, you... Sorry? Before we begin, I just want to say this is this is getting really hard to read, guys. This is, <laughs> this yeah. is some so bad. Things My are rough. Um, okay. Did you guys read the annotation to this one? I did. I did, but I don't remember. Okay. We'll get to it, but it's it's big. Oh, wait. Yes. Now I do remember. Gah. All right, so Tori, could you please walk us through the preview chapter this week that I did okay. read? I just forgot to read Emperor's Soul because I'm bad. So in the note from Navani about Fabrials, she's all like, guys, we should be working together and sharing our knowledge so that mm. we all know the same things. And it, she's pulling a unite them, but for Artifabrians. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
for this, so. I want to point out that this now throws into question anything, any description we've gotten of Fabrials previous to this book. Correct. Because yeah. of of decoy metals, because of um, plated metals. So, like, anything it looks like it uses, it may not use. So, any description be, we've had could, could be, be gilded wrong. in silver. Could be gilded in silver. Hmm. Probably isn't because silver is a non-alimentic metal and does cool stuff in um, Shadows for Silence world. And I I feel like there's more going on there, but the whole fandom really focuses in on aluminum because aluminum definitely does cool stu- cool stuff. But I feel like silver has something going on that we need to know more about. Valid. Anywho, Tori, please continue. All right, so this is a Kaladin chapter. We're back in Erythiru. Remember, he's just been relieved of um, not duty because he's still supposed to be the high marshal, but he can't go to battle anymore, you guys. And so he's trying very hard not to sink into depression right here um, as he's walking through the halls and going to his room so that he can sulk. Well, he tries hard, but he fails. He's a failure. Just just a failure of a failure who fails. Mike, that's, stop! Yep, that's how he feels, for he sure. He feels so bad. Everybody else is happy and laughing, and he's trying to smile so that they don't notice. What that's a sad so boy of a failure. He can't even not be depressed. God, he's Shut useless. up, Mike. No one wants to hear what you think. <laughs> okay. Why don't you keep going, Tori? Uh, so he gets back to his room and he closes the door and he has a breakdown and he cries and there's actual agony spren. And well, he tries to cry. Doesn't he fail to cry or something? Oh, right. He does. He couldn't cry. Yeah, he couldn't cry. He couldn't cry. It's too painful to cry. <sighs> and of course, freaking Moash. He keeps thinking of Moash. Oh, I hate that guy. I hate him too. But then... But then there's a knock on the door, interrupting his misery, and it's Adolin, because Syl went to get Adolin, mm. and Kaladin's, he gives her a dirty look, but at the same time, he's <laughs> he's a little thankful, because Adolin doesn't stand for any of that self-deprecating crap. Adolin's like, okay, get dressed, we're going out. Adolin continues to be the best boy. He does. Right? Him and Renarin, guys, like... Whatever, Dalinar didn't do much in terms of raising them in their early lives, but man, they, they, they got raised well. It was Evie. Evie did it. Evie did do a lot of it, yeah. Adolin and Renarin are like the heart of Team Radiant. They're so good. So uh, Adolin's like, get dressed, we're going out. And Kaladin's like, no, I don't want to go out because I'm depressed. And Adolin, bless him, is like, okay, okay, make me an oath that you really want to be left alone right now. He says, swear it to me. And Kaladin's like, gosh darn it, because he can't. <laughs> um, so, yep. Get in, loser. We're staving off depression. Right. Right. So he's still upset at Syl for getting Adolin, but... Uh, Tori, did we lose you? Did we lose me? I think stuff broke. Hang on. One of Kaladin's closest friends is a light eyes. All right, guys, like, hold up just a second. My computer went bork, and we lost, like, the last minute. No. I tried to post a GIF in our Discord, and and just everything stopped while I thought about it. So, <laughs> But it's a very appropriate GIF, so... 
So whatever was being said, if you could go back and say it again, please. Which part? When I started talking or Tori? Uh, right after oh. I said, get in, loser, we're staving off depression, is when I tried to post the gif, so. Okay. I don't remember where that was. But anyway, so as they're leaving, um, Kaladin is still a little upset with Syl for getting Adolin, but in the end, he does say thank you, because, uh, she knew what he needed, and he knew he needed it, even if he didn't want to admit it. So, how neat is this that Kaladin's closest friend, one of his closest friends, is a Light Eyes? Like, try to tell, you know, Way of Kings Kaladin that, hey, you're gonna become friends with, a, a good friends with a Light Eyes. He'd probably be like, no, forget you. And but Kaladin himself are. is a Light Eyes, and in and fact, is, is currently one of the highest ranked Light Eyes in existence. But does he see himself that way? Absolutely not. But yep. that doesn't and really matter know. because he is. I just think it's neat. The The friendship we have between Kaladin and Adolin is probably some of the best in writing. Uh, in fact, Syl points it out that the reason she got Adolin was she needed someone that he couldn't outrank. And that's well, a real short list these days. I don't. I didn't read that as outrank so much as bully intimidate and adolin just can't be intimidated like he's just too too laid back but yeah i guess he can't legitimately boss him around either so well, the the other people that care would be the other windrunners and he outranks all of them and has right. shown an ability to, to push them away when he needs to and they largely respect that even when they shouldn't necessarily for for his own best interests Right, but she could have also gotten Renarin if that was the case, because he doesn't outrank Renarin. However, Renarin would maybe be a little intimidated by Kaladin. No, I think if Cal was like, but I'm going to sink into a depression, Renarin would be like, oh no, I am too. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, Renarin. And Renarin could, or sorry, Kaladin could 100% talk Renarin into going away, where, right, exactly. where he can't for Adolin, yeah. Point is... Adolin is the best choice. He's the best man for the job here. Oh, we skipped a thing that I feel is kind of important, uh, which is that Kaladin doesn't have any squires left. Mm. He's got Good two point. that he counts, which are Dabid and Relaine. Uh, Relaine is, Kaladin is certain on his way to getting his own friend, and Dabid isn't really a squire, and kind of, sort of doesn't count, because he never really recovered. So... That's the big question. Do Windrunners get a cycle of Squires? And maybe part of the issue is that he's not... For some reason, he's blocking this. He's stopping himself from having new Squires. Or is it just natural for uh, the first Windrunner to have Squires who develop into Windrunners and he doesn't get replacement Squires? Well, like, the people who became his squires were his friends who were around him, and he right. does, he hasn't gone out and made more friends to be around him, so how would he how would he have more well, squires? So that's the point, though. Do Windrunners, is it natural for them to develop more squires, in which case, because of Kaladin's depression and the steps he's taking, is he stopping himself from forming this connection with other players? And I do, uh, people... And I do mean capital C connection, because that's how he's forming. That's how you get squires. Yeah, and... I, I think it's just that he's not like he's so busy with the constant fighting that he hasn't been. I, he hasn't spent time with anybody reasons. who isn't a windrunner. All I'm saying is 
for how knights radiant work column a do people get squires who form into knights radiant and do they replace those squire do they get new squires or column b once the squires become knights radiant they don't get new ones like which one is it that's all i'm saying i'm guessing column a it seems more likely um, yeah right and it's an argument for Dalinar to put Kaladin in charge of, like, training. Like, that's that's a way he could be useful and not be on the front lines. He could for sure be an amazing, like, head of training guy, man, person. <laughs> right. Okay. That's all I was asking. Um, but yeah, the, the fact that Kaladin isn't interacting with new people means that he can't develop friendships he can't develop connections yeah and he can't make new squires and Um, i think he sort of needs a little bit of that he he needs other people because he's just sinking further and further into depression by himself i i think you're onto something there and i think that like adolin and vale trying to hook him up with a new girlfriend is sort of in the right direction but not quite the what he needs right now right he needs friendships not dating Right. Speaking right. of Adolin and Vale. Oh, I jumped ahead a little bit. I'm sorry. It's all right. Go ahead, Tori. Okay. So they go out into the market and they're in the middle class market because this is the part of the market that Navani has, you know, been anal about organizing. And the rich people are too good for that sort of organization and the poor people don't like to be organized. So it's the middle class market. And they go to this bar that Adolin likes to go to. And uh, Vale is there or goes with them. Um, yeah, I think I think she's already there. Um, there's a party going on. Somebody got married. Um, and Kaladin's like, who got married? And Adolin's like, seriously, dude, you've been to this bar several times. Um, you, you know the guy. I think it's like um, a bouncer or something who works there. Um, but so Kaladin hangs out with Vale and Adolin and uh, Vale is a good drinking buddy, and they talk about Ela's death, um, which is a state secret, so don't go blabbing that around. And Kaladin's like, I don't think we should be talking about state secrets in public. And Vale's like, whatever. Um, and and then Vale Radiant is out. Immediately shows up. Yeah, Vale is out because Shalon is tired, and that sounds really convenient. Right? Yeah, Kaladin sure likes the sound of that. He's like, man, I wish I could, you know, had different personalities that could take over. Um, Just, so... I, I need a nap, so Mike Part 2, take over for a little bit. Right. Ooh, I would love to have a Tory Part 2. So, Vale and Adolin spend some time uh, telling Kaladin to uh, buck up and um, the patterns there. I'm scrolling through the chapter on my phone as I talk. I'd like to imagine that Kaladin did like this huge jump scare slash spit take when once he noted or once pa- or blah, blah, once pattern said something. Right, especially because they're talking about where do babies come from. Like the the <laughs> same way that Sill startles people constantly. I, I don't I'd know. Like to imagine I'm sure that... he's used to pattern just popping up when Vale slash Shalons around. But a spit take is such good comedy. <laughs> it always works. Especially if he, like, spits his drink directly into Adolin's face. That is, that is high comedy. So Vale is trying to set Kaladin up with the, with the barmaid. And Kaladin's like, no, really. And Vale's like, but she's cute. 
and I get the feeling that Vale is bisexual, and I'm I'm 100% here for it. And still scrolling through the chapter. Oh, there's a fun thing where um, Adolin insists that he is not married to Vale. Vale yes, is not that his wife. Was cute. Um, Adolin says, this is not a topic for gentlemen to discuss. And she says, I am neither gentle nor a man. I'm your wife. And he says, you are not my wife. Uh, the topic in question is someone that Adolin used to date and her figure and whether or not it is artificially enhanced. Spoilers, it is not. And now we know. Yep. I'm still holding out for a uh, Kaladin, Shalon, Adolin triad where everybody is the focus at different times. But, so, but that's between um, me and fanfiction.net. <laughs> Kaladin tells Adolin that Dalinar re- relieved him of duty, and Adolin's like, ooh, I disagree. And Kaladin's like, no, he's totally right. Um, you know, Just speaking as um, someone who is a trained surgeon. Um, and uh, Adolin's like, well, I'm hoping you can get better because then that means that Shalon can get better. And Kaladin's like, what do you mean? Shalon's fine. Adolin's like, no, that that's not fine. Um, and Pattern is that I think Vale went off to get a drink or something. Uh, Pattern's like, nope, I agree. She is not fine. There's things that she needs to fix. Um, she What she is, is improved from the last book and mostly stable but not continuing to improve. There are still problems. But and I'm rushing a little bit here. You guys can keep talking, but I have to leave in like a minute. Um, so at the end of the night, uh, Rock and his family, they were there uh, also having a celebration of some sort. Uh, Rock is getting ready to return to the Horn Eater Peaks. And uh, he and Kaladin have a heart-to-heart talk uh, where... Rock is like, you know, um, you could accompany me to the peaks. Um, he doesn't like come out and say it, but it's implied that Kaladin would be welcome to come. And um, Rock is going off to face justice for fighting in the um, Battle of Thalen City. Because you remember, because of birth order, he's not supposed to be fighting. And he's Kaladin... for sure not supposed to kill former High Marshal Amaram. Right. So um, Kaladin is worried that the justice that he's going to face is that his people are going to kill him. Um, but that's what Rock wants to do. Wants to do so Kaladin's not going to stop him. And um, so Kaladin gives Rock his blessing to go, and um, and it just makes him think about how you know all of his friends are leaving and he's alone and. Um, but he tries to stay strong for Rock so that, you know, Rock's last image of Kaladin will be one of strength. And um, But on the inside, he doesn't feel very strong. No. That's the end of the chapter. All right. So Tori Thank now you, Tori. has to leave. Uh, yeah, I have to leave. Her, her work called her in on a Saturday. The jerks. No, we're very short-staffed right now. And so these shifts are just coming available. And people aren't taking them because who wants to work on a Saturday afternoon after they've already worked the other five days of the week. Um, but I still hold out hope that I will get money to buy a Nintendo switch. So I'm working extra shifts and I'm getting extra hours and I'm going to go do that thing right now. But you guys can keep talking about the chapter without me. Okay. Bye well, bye internet. Bye Tori. Bye Tori. I also hold out hope that Tori will someday be able to buy a Nintendo Switch and get to play me the cool too. games on it. 
Yeah. Aw, uh, thanks, guys. All right. Uh, so let's let's dig a little more. Uh, starting at the bottom, oh. Rock believes that wit is a god. Yes, and he's mentioned this before. Uh, I forget which book. Maybe it was Words of Radiance, but the he described Hoyd because Hoyd came out of the the shard pool. Sorry, cultivation perpendicular perpendicularity, which is their there. their holy pool. Yes, Hoyd. That's that's actually where wit came from. He popped out of that pool. So yeah, he's a god, and he gives Kaladin crap for losing the flute, which is yep. always fun and should never be left alone. Right. Uh, and uh, I'm I'm a little bit disappointed in Tori for not actually saying his proper name of Numuhuku Makiaki Ayalunamore. Thank you, Mike. And I'm not disappointed in Craig for not attempting it because we both know how that would go. Numuhuku Makiaki Ayalunamore. Thank you, buddy. Uh, <laughs> so, yes. Numuhuka Makiaki Ayalunamore and most of his family are leaving. And according to the annotation this week, uh, that's it. He is yeah. not appearing in the rest of the book. His story it's ends. It's sort of sad. His story it's... ends here. I'm sure we'll check in on him later. In this book, it ends here. It's, it's sad because I think Rock is a fan favorite. And to not have him in a book, that's that's a tough choice to make. Uh, but that suggests to me that we're going to go dark in this one. Yeah, he he has thus far been even even at the worst moments of previous books, he has been a point of light. So losing that point of light means we can go darker. Right. It's good. That's why I'm like, this is just going to be rough. Now, I hold out a little hope uh, for what's going to happen with Rock. He's fearing, you know, imprisonment or death execution. However, I don't know. Maybe Hoyd will pop out at a convenient time and sort of correct it. Bear in mind also that um, he succeeded at at what he came to the Shattered Plains to do. He succeeded, right? And I'm, it, I'm it sure that will get a shard plane. Yeah, um, I'm sure that will be a factor. It may not be enough of a factor, but it may be a factor. The fact that. Um, you know, the Knights Radiant are coming back, might change things significantly. I'm, I'm betting they will. Uh, it might, like, we might set up for him to be, like, the, the leader of the Horn Eaters as they, as, as they, as a, as a nation sort of start bonding Spren and become, um, gosh, what is the order that I'm thinking of that Stone bonds and Pink's Peak Spren, Stone Wardens. There we go. Yeah, I, I was really hoping we would see something like that, that Rock would become a Stone Warden. Uh, so, And we did get hints of that in this chapter, that he's he's not a Windrunner, he's becoming something else. Yep. Um, ooh, another big thing earlier on is that Kaladin and Adolin had a conversation about how Adolin should get rid of his Shardblade so that he can bond to Spren, and Adolin insists... No, I'm not going to. I'm not going to get rid of Maya. Yep. Uh, because he now knows her name. He has more of a connection to her. And yep. I think we're. I think we're going to get the resolution on that in this book. I think he's going to form enough of a connection to actually bring her back and wake up Maya. Oh, that would be nice. And set that in motion of of there. There is a path to restoring Dead Spren, which will go a long way toward you know, fixing human-spread relations. 
Yeah, I think I've said that before. That happening is going to be one of the most important thing that needs to happen in the series as a whole. Like if they're going to get the sprint to help out um, against Odium, it has to be through Maya. It has to be through what Adolin's doing with Maya. Um, and also, just all of all of the people a- Adolin is close with are already Radiants. And yep. Kaladin he, does point out, like, this is weird. He is the least special person he knows. Yeah. So it would make sense if he became a Knight's Radiant, but because he has a connection with his Shardblade, he can't. But I think this is this is so good that he's not willing to get rid of Maya. Like, he has that connection, and that's just going to help wake her up. So, so, sorry, I know you wanted to say a little bit more. I do want to point out that when they when they talked about an Oathbringer waking up Maya and how difficult it is to actually, like, that whole process, I think it's difficult because one of the key things you have to do is form a connection with a shard blade, with the sprint inside of the shard blade. And when it's just an more inanimate than, object, yeah, that's more than, really more than hard the to do. surface level, I have bonded to this sword. It is a sword that I use. Right. But Adolin got deeper. He it wasn't just a sword that I use. He formed this connection with her. And now that he knows that she actually exists, that she's actually a a spring that used to be bonded, like he knows more about her now that he can go even deeper. But that's why it's so difficult, because it's so difficult to form a connection with something. So Adolin is the one who's going to be able to pull it off. I mean, to the best of my knowledge, he's the only one who has even taken that first step. Yeah, I don't think this is going to be a thing that happens a lot. But Adolin is at least is on the path to being one of the ones who will wake a. a I, I agree. I, I think it's going to be like an extremely rare thing to be able to happen. But I don't think he's going to be the only one to do it. I, I think we're going to get some other examples of of that happening later on once Adolin you know, shows us the way. Kind of like how the various, you know, the first Knight Radiant of each order has to, like, show, you know, has, has to pave the way to to show the, the new people how to do it. And then once they've done so, it's easier for those new people to, to take those steps because they actually know what they're doing at that point. Yeah. Like when Kaladin tried to learn how to, you know, walk on walls. He had to do a lot of trial and error, but once he figured it out, he could just he could just help pe- other people do it once they could, you know, draw in Stormlight. Right. Uh, so what else? What else is going on in here? Uh, so, yeah, we don't get Shallan. We do get Vale and Radiant. And we get information that things are. I mean, we already sort of knew this from Shallan's perspective chapters. Um, her sorry, point of view chapters. But like you said, she's stable. She's she's managing. But that doesn't mean she's OK. Right. Um. What else happened? And 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 that's something else I I want to bring up real quick. Pattern, like he he acknowledges that there's something wrong. Sill acknowledges something's wrong with Kaladin. Again, is this a natural process of of what the Knights Radiant go through? Like especially uh, the bulk of the Knights Radiant were broken at some point. It's just this as they try to reach higher ideals, they sort of have to break through these barriers. Or is it specific to Shallan and Kaladin? I mean. I think the concept is is true across the board, but I mean everyone's everyone's struggle is unique. Yeah. Both in the book and, you know, in the real world. Right. But I think this is something that 
people have to go through as they try to get further and further into their order because of what the ideals mean and what it means to actually like it's not they're not just words they are the word and what they mean like as a for instance i don't think gaz is going to be sprouting multiple personalities right of course like that's that just doesn't seem to fit him but he has his own you know demons to work through which i forget did he grow his eye back i thought he did he did yeah, he did. So just that is going to go a long way because that was that was a source of a lot of his so a lot, of, a lot of his issues like... from that from that one you know fr- perspective bit from him that we got back in Way of Kings. My my prediction for this book, and I know I've said it before, is that Calden's going to say the fourth ideal, and I'm going to add on to it. I think his scars are going to go away. the The brand on his forehead is going to go away. I agree that that's almost certainly tied to the to the fourth ideal because of what I believe the fourth ideal to be based on Mm. what he started to try to say back in uh, Oathbringer. Yep. But yeah. All right. Do we have anything else? We know there aren't any fourth level Windrunners. Right. Because, because Kaladin is the furthest along and he hasn't gotten there yet. Yep. Are there any fourth level other um, radiance? From what I gather, from what we know, which is that there the, the again this is fan theory is that the fourth ideal gives you your shard plate. I would and argue that it doesn't necessarily for every order. That's true. Maybe. So like we but, we can be fairly certain at this point that nobody has nobody has gotten new shard plate yet. Right. That's what I was going to say. We there has been no reference that there's been new shard plate cuz that would have been mentioned. So we don't have that. Yeah, I'm I'm almost certain that would have come up if nowhere else than during the you know all the all the edge dancers and the wind runners going with bridge 4 in uh hearthstone like that would have come up i think radiant well, yeah, was wearing so... plate at the end of oathbringer was that actual shard plate or was that an illusion yeah that was an illusion i don't remember least. that yeah that's true we don't know if it was a real shard plate or if it was an illusion i interpreted it that she was that that was just part of the illusion but and that's something else to point out that, again, each order is different. I'm not sure if each order even has five ideals. We know Skybreakers and Windrunners have five ideals, but I don't think every order goes by five. We know we know light um, light weavers go by truths, and they're not even ideals. They have the first ideal, and then they have to speak truths. And I don't think there was any number that was dictated that this is how many they have to do. So... At some point, they get a shard plate. We just don't fully know when. And as far as we can tell, that has not happened yet. Any order. Well, okay. So Shalon is weird in a lot of ways. One of the ways in which she is weird is that apparently as a child, she was much further along in her night radiantiness uh, than she she might have caught back up at this point. But yeah, I think so. Certainly, certainly she had to like go back and make up ground again. Um, but yeah, my my question is: Are there any, for instance, uh, edge dancers or light weavers that are of the fourth ideal or whatever the equivalent is for them that we just haven't heard about because they aren't windrunners? I'm, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna guess no. I mean, we already know that Nail is fifth ideal, but he's also a herald. Um, right, he so, doesn't count. The skybreakers are a separate deal. I was the gonna old- say not counting him. The only Skybreaker that we need to care about is Zeth. Right. Um, so I had something, and now it's gone. Oh, yeah. Um, 
are there any other else callers or is it still mm. just Yasna? That is a good question. I, from what I remember, Ivory was the only, uh, was it Ink Sprint? Is that what he is? Yeah, but all of the Bonded Sprint that we met so far were the only until they yeah, were <laughs> Well, we, we know Syl was the original only, and then a bunch of other Honor Sprint decided to go ahead and start forming bonds. But from what we were told, Ivory was the only one who was willing to form a bond. Again, that might have changed in the past year, but we have not been told that there's new else callers yet. And how far along has Hoyd progressed as a <laughs> as a lightweaver? Good question. Like he gets to skip a lot of the issues because he knows what's going on. He he is the most informed person who exists effectively. Yeah. He he already has illusion based powers, so he doesn't have to learn how to use those. I'm but... I'm certain that he can talk things into changing so you know the the soul casting part isn't gonna be an issue. And he but... knows many juicy truths. Yes, that's what I was gonna say. The difficulty is not in his use of investiture so much as speaking the truth, going through the ideals, that sort of thing is not supposed to be an easy thing. Hoyd can't fast track that either. There's going to be stuff related to his life. Truths from him probably that we will learn in Dragonsteel that are going to be difficult for him to speak. So I don't think it's going to be I don't think Hoyd's going to be fast about advancing. Is, is that's that's my only guess. I don't think he would have spoken as many truths as you would think because it's not supposed to be an easy thing to do. It's not so much as saying the truth, so much as believing, thinking them, and living those truths. I, I would say confronting uncomfortable sure. truths would be yeah would be kind of the way to go there. But yeah, um, all right. I think I'm out of stuff for this week. Yeah, this like I said, this is getting rough. It's looking like this is going to be a dark book. Um, we're losing Rock. It's sad. Not losing him, we're just not going to see him in the book. We have a lot of characters to look at. We at least have Adolin in terms of someone who's lighter, but man, this is, this is going to be deep. going to oh, be heavy. I'm looking forward to Edge Dancer Adolin. That'll be fun. Uh, Trampy Knight just asked us to touch on the notations, one of which was that Rock will not be returning in this book. This is his last chapter that he appears. Uh, you said there was another big thing that was dropped in the annotations oh uh just that that was the main thing but like the reasoning for doing it is he's trying to get ahead of of character bloat so, right like we still only have you know so many characters to pay attention to so that you know book five isn't the length of rhythm of war plus another ten thousand words oh and bridge four is is gone it does not exist anymore the fourth bridge exists but yeah, as it a group evolved. of people, Bridge Four is no longer a thing, and that, that's part of what Calden has to accept: is that people have moved on, they have their own lives, they can still be friends, but they have their own squires and stuff now too. Everybody graduated from high school and moved away, and Calden's just living at home in his mom's basement. Hmm. True. So yeah, so it, it makes sense, and I feel like he does, like you said, want to get ahead of it, especially for the fifth book, which is supposed to wrap up this arc this five book arc, I suspect when we get to the back half, the books six through 10, a lot of characters, I mean, we're going to have some kind of time gap and we're only going to focus on certain characters from there, sort of like to reset which characters we care about, maybe because of the right. time gap. I, I can for sure see us, you know, losing focus on 
For instance, Kaladin, uh, starting in book six, assuming that he hasn't died in book five. Hmm. All right. So I guess we'll like, see. Like he'll he might still be around and you know checking in on stuff once in a while, but he won't be a viewpoint character almost certainly. Like yeah. We'll, we'll really focus in on a different a different group. Saved by the Bell, the new class. <laughs> right. So that's all I have for this week. Hopefully it goes better than season nine of Scrubs. All right. Uh, that's a weird note to end on. So bye, everybody. <laughs> bye. This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at at CosmereCast or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is Traveling Made Up Continents by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.